This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast that's normally about finding the deeper meaning of seemingly useless information. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today we're going to talk about social distancing. Now, at the top of the episode, I said normally because this episode will be a little different. And that's because the world is totally different at this moment in time. March 2020 undeniably feels like it's a world-changing moment in time. Like there's no need for time to pass, you and I both know that we will remember it for the rest of our lives. And as such, social distancing is not irrelevant. But I want to talk about an aspect of it anyway. To ignore this time, this pandemic, and go on as if nothing has changed would not only be foolish, it's almost irresponsible. We owe it to ourselves to recognize the situation we're in. Because we're in it. We, meaning all of us. Right now, there's no separating our individual actions from the effect it has on the whole we. There's no separating the fact that your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, they're all going through the same thing right now. That's scary and overwhelming. The most striking thing to me about all of it is how fragile it seems now. One illness, a pandemic, it can bring our civilization to a screeching halt. The civilization that created nuclear weapons, the one that built skyscrapers and 5G phones, supersonic jets and massive cruise ships, the civilization that built a global economy on the goop that used to be dinosaurs. All those things don't matter when a virus can come and run through us with unrelenting force. When coronavirus hit us, we, all of us, we all had to do the same thing. Viruses don't care about economies or armies or clout or goodness or badness. They are the great equalizer. When I was younger, I'm talking college years, I had this yearning to, quote, live through something. I don't think that's unique to me or to my generation, but I would say things like, man, I didn't live through any major war or the Great Depression, or any sort of exploration period, or the moon landing, or the civil rights movements, or anything like that. I want to live through something. <laughs> My wish was granted as soon as I graduated college into the Great Recession. You probably remember that time. It was a rough time for all of us. It took me a year to find a job in my field, a year of applying every day, having phone interviews almost every other day, a year of getting rejected almost every other week, and the crippling anxiety of thoughts like, maybe I was born in the wrong time, maybe I'm never going to get out of this. But I got out of it. We made it out of it. This one though, this one's different. This one feels like it's going to be worse. And you have to be ready for it. We have to be ready for it. But we've been here before. Nowadays, I think, what a stupid idea to want to live through something. Because every time we got to that something, we find out it's incredibly difficult to go through something. And when it's something like the global recession or this coronavirus pandemic, we find out it's world-changing. Nothing goes back to the way it was. There's one historical figure that yearned to live through something too for most of his life. He was pretty much obsessed with being a hero in battle. 
I'm talking about former President Theodore Roosevelt. By the time World War I rolled around, Teddy was no longer president. He was 58 years old, and still he lusted for battle. Now, this was a weird time in American history. There was this nationalism that went beyond any form of logic. They believed America was the best country in the world and did everything right. Not only that, but there was this obsession with a man having to go to war to be a real manly man. Anyway, 58-year-old Teddy Roosevelt wanted to go to war. He wanted to go to war so bad, he went to the White House to visit the sitting president, Woodrow Wilson, to ask if he could form an all-volunteer division, a sort of reborn Rough Riders for the war in France. He practically begged. In an interview later, Teddy said this, quote, I told Wilson that I would die on the field of battle, that I would never return if only he would let me go, end quote. He yearned to die in the world's biggest battle. He promised to die. Just please let me go. What a psycho. He had no idea that World War I would result in around 40 million deaths, both civilian and military. He had no idea that of his four sons that all served, no doubt at the urging of their bellicose father, two would be wounded in battle and his youngest would be killed. He had no idea that the world would never be the same after that terrible war. The war that saw the birth of tanks and airplanes as weapons, trench warfare, and massive artillery shells that would shake the earth like an earthquake and chemical warfare. Because that's the way cataclysmic events happen. They undo the current order of things and set a new one in place. The vast majority of soldiers in the war weren't like Teddy, though. And if they were at the beginning of the war, they most certainly weren't after the first artillery shelling in a trench. And if they weren't changed after that, then the next shelling definitely changed them. And if that one didn't change them, then the next one changed them. The trench, the shells, eventually wear anyone down. This war raged on for four years. And in a part of the war, it was mostly in trenches, and it was all over a few yards of land. This mind-numbing repeated anxiety and shock and fear and enclosed spaces and horribleness of it all started taking a toll on people. Why are we here? What is the point of it? Why exactly is this happening? To deal with those questions and the inability to change their circumstances, soldiers turned to song. At some point in the war, along the British side of the trenches, soldiers started singing a song to the tune of Auld Lang Syne. You know, the New Year song, except they changed the lyrics. They would sing, We're here because we're here, because we're here, because we're here. And they would repeat it over and over again. This was a little nihilistic, of course, but they were in a repeated hell. But it's also a song that highlights the very simple and undeniable fact that they are here. Independent of the bigger why, they're here. And so, that is true today. Our battle, our war, 
isn't as horrifying as World War I was. We're not getting shelled in the trench. But it doesn't mean it's not filled with existential dread and anxiety and fear. And of course, a repetition. We're staring down the barrel of potential months of being separated from each other physically and being forced to sit in our homes and fight this thing in the best way we can for the good of each other. In the last couple of days, I've found encouragement in the fact that just like I'm sitting in my apartment, you're sitting in yours too. And your neighbor is too. That's the fight that fell on our hands. It's the one we've been dealt. It's not fair. It's scary. I don't understand why this happened to us, but it did. And we're here. Because we're here. Because we're here. Because we're here. And we'll continue to be here until this thing is under control. This thing can break us, but it won't because we're here. This thing is scary, but it's not invincible because we're here. There's no toilet paper or soap in the stores, but we're here. <laughs> the government is shockingly inept, but we're here. No matter what happens, we're here because we're here, because we're here, because we're here. I hope you realize that even though you're alone in your house, you're not alone in what you're doing. We're all doing this together. So wake up each day, shower, do your work, check in on your parents, check in on your friends, help those you can, don't freak out. Just take it day by day, because for this next part of our lives, that's all we can do. Even though it's scary now, things will get better at some point. Things will be good again. And at least we're not in a trench. In a series filled with great quotes and moments, there's this particularly great moment in The Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first book slash movie in the trilogy of The Lord of the Rings, that has always been true, but it's been on my mind a lot recently. Frodo, the ring bearer, rightfully terrified by his burden, says, I wish none of this had happened. To which the wise old wizard Gandalf replies, So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And I want to leave you with those words. It's okay and natural to be scared or anxious, but realize you're not alone and reach out for help if you need it and offer to help others who might need it. We'll get through this. We're here because we're here Because we're here Because we're here We're here because we're here Because we're here that's it for this episode i hope that helped you we are in this together you me everyone you know send this to someone who needs some reassurance and uh, feel free to reach out on twitter at irrelevant pub um, We'll get through this. And as always, 
OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.